Capaldi this morning, amen, much appreciated. Forget your Bibles, we'll jump right into it, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things in life that's hard to understand. How many looked at something and just kind of scratch your head and, and you just can't understand it? You think it's great, but you can't understand it. A lot of things in life like that. Let me mention a few. A seed. Or seeds. These are little kernels uh, with life locked up in them. Now think about this. A little seed that looks like nothing uh, on the outside, uh, you can stomp on it, you can smash it, you can throw it in the trash, but if planted, there's a life in that seed that once it's planted, uh, germinates in the ground, and it can become a large tree, it can become a, a vineyard that produces great amount of fruit. That's mind-boggling. God can put so much in one little seed, right? Uh, oxygen. Uh, think about this. A colorless, odorless gas that is used for combustion, but is essential for breathing. You know, you think about them two together, it just, uh, uh, it's hard to understand that, isn't it? I mean, we need it, we know it, but to understand that, uh, you know, talk about the human body, the brain alone, has over one trillion neural uh, connections that control speech, hearing, eyesight, and emotions. So think about how powerful God is, uh, uh, so if you look at these, uh, these things are many are hard to understand. I was reading about the eyeball one time, uh, and the eardrum itself, the eardrum, uh, has like a million parts to it. And, I mean, we look at it, just one little eardrum there, but God puts a million pieces in there, uh, amen, to make us hear this morning. So many things in life we can't understand, but we enjoy it, right? Thank God for, for what God has given us, but... But one thing is not hard to understand, and that is God. God is absolutely not hard to understand. God is very easy to understand. In our text we're going to read, these disciples are confused, they're fearful, they're emotional, uh, they're discouraged. Uh, it's not because God is uh, hard to understand, but it's because they're processing life through the eyes of the flesh. They're processing life through the flesh and not through the Word of God or Spirit of God, so... And their minds, God, you're hard to understand. God, we can't understand you. Uh, and most of the time, it's true with us, right? Uh, when we get discouraged, we get emotional, we get uh, whatever fearful. It's not that uh, God's hard to understand. It's how we process things uh, uh, many times. And, and that's what is confusing. So with that in mind, let's go to our text, Mark chapter 6. Got to do a little bit of reading to get through this this morning. We'll start at verse 30. So then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and did not even, they did not even have time to eat. Verse 32. And they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, knew where they were going, ran ahead on foot from all cities. They arrived before them, and came together to him. And, Je when, and Jesus, when he came and saw, uh, when he came out and saw a great multitude, was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was far, now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding 
a country and village and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Verse 37. But he answered them and said, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth the bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five, five uh, loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to uh, make them all sit down in groups of, on the green grass. And they sat down in ranks in uh, hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish uh, he divided to them all, verse 42. Now they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve basketfuls of leftovers. And now, uh, verse uh, 44, now those who have eaten... The loaves were about 5,000 men, so we can say of women and children, probably 20,000. Uh, verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before them to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he went up to a mountain to pray. Now evening had come, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was gone, and he was alone on the land. Verse 48, when he saw them straining at oaring, and the wind was against them, now it was about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed he was a ghost and cried out. For they saw him and were troubled, but immediately talked to them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Verse 52. And they had not... For they did not understand about the load because their hearts was hardened. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you this morning, God, for revelation. God, give us understanding. God, your word is a truth, absolute truth. Uh, God, help us understand your word this morning. God, I pray, give us revelation direction. All God's people say, Amen. Not understanding the loaves, if you're taking notes. I want to look at first, no, no quitting. Not quitting. Earlier in our text, Jesus commissioned the 12 disciples, and you know, the story gave them power over all the demonic, over disease, and he sent them out to preach the gospel. So they're, uh, amen, they go out and preach the word of God. They have powerful revival. Their healing crusades were a great success. Verse 12 uh, in our text that they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. So these disciples are having absolutely great success. I mean, they're preaching in healing crusades. Sick people are being healed. Uh, uh, demonic being delivered. Uh, they're having a great time in ministry. But what them brought them back to Jesus, where we pick up in our text, uh, is the death of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist has been uh, put in prison here. You know, the story Herod, uh, the king there, uh, has, you know, uh, the girl dance before him, whatever you want. I want John the Baptist's head. So verse 27, they beheaded him in prison. And when his disciples heard it, they came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. But up to this point, these disciples are seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. Or up to this point, all they've seen of Jesus, let me say it this way, uh, is signs, wonders, and miracles. There's been no deaths. There's been no beheading. There's been no uh, resistance much at all against the gospel. They're, they're, on a, they're on a high wave, a tall wave, and they're riding this wave uh, 
Jesus Christ has seen all these supernatural things, uh, and they followed Jesus to this point. The Bible said through Jesus' ministry, when Jesus was in Capernaum, uh, they seen him cast the spirit out of a man. They seen him heal a man with leprosy. They seen him heal another uh, paralytic. Uh, he heals a man with a withered hand. Uh, in church, they heard Jesus speak the parable of the sower. Jesus calms the storm. Uh, Jesus raises Jairus' 12-year-old daughter from the dead. Uh, the lady with the issue of blood is healed. So we're seeing all these supernatural things. And we, that's great. We need to see them. Can you say amen? We need to see the power of God in church. We need to see God move. Uh, but the news of John the Baptist shook them. The news of John the Baptist being beheaded shook these disciples, shook them enough uh, to stop them from preaching, stop their crusades, uh, and they gathered all their stuff and said, man, we better find Jesus here. They got, the news shut down everything, shut down all their scheduled meetings, all their, uh, you know, maybe they were going to go to Capernaum, maybe Bethsaida, maybe across the Jordan somewhere, but this news shut down everything. He said, we're going to go find Jesus, verse 31, uh, uh, and uh, Jesus sees them, uh, and Jesus said they come aside. He sees their despondency right away. Uh, he said, let's go to a deserted place and rest for a while. No doubt, Jesus is probably going to pull them aside and say, it's okay, boys. Hey, listen, remember I told you there's going to be persecution. There's going to be things that uh, people come against are preaching, and he's going to have some time with them. Uh, that was the purpose of this. We've all been there, right? Everything going great. Everything seems to be going well in our marriage, our health, our children, our mind. Uh, and all of a sudden, something happens. Amen. Maybe a loss of job. A marriage problem starts. Your children get hurt. Worse than that, maybe somebody dies in the family and it throws everything off. Everything was going good. God's moving. God's purpose has been fulfilled. I mean, you feel the Spirit of God moving in your heart, then something happens. Something happens that throws you off track. Something happens that hinders your faith and your ability to, to operate and function and keep going. This is kind of where they're at. I mean, everything is going well. Uh, I mean, they're giving testimonies back to their families, no doubt. And uh, everything's going well, man, out here. Every, God's healing. God's moving. But this has messed them up. And in this deserted place, these disciples are going to learn a powerful lesson here, a powerful truth. That even in times of need, loss, and setback, trouble, you can't shut down. They have to learn this lesson, and we have to learn this lesson uh, uh, this morning. Uh, uh, in the, the worst times of life, the most difficult time, we cannot shut down. We can't just quit throwing the towel. Verse 33, the multitude saw them departing and knew where they were going and arrived there before them. Verse 34, Jesus when he came out, saw the great multitude was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Verse 35, And when the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, for this is our time. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding uh, villages and buy themselves bread, uh, for they have nothing to eat. So in their minds, Jesus, we've already ministered here. We've ministered. We put ourselves out. Uh, we're back here. We need the break. We need the rest. We need the, the downtime here. Uh, amen. This is in their mind. Uh, but these disciples wanted to sit down and spend some time with Jesus. But Jesus said, uh, you give them something to eat. Isn't that like God always pushing us, isn't it? 
They want to shut, shut down, uh, send the crowd away, let them go buy their own food. Uh, and Jesus pushes them, says, you give them something to eat. He pushes them beyond themselves. Uh, they said, hey, uh, you want to go spend 200 denarii? It's a lot of money in that days. And buy food for all these folks? It's a lot of bread. It's a lot of fish. We're going we're to bankrupt ourselves. We're going to spend all this money. Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, he knows how many loaves and how many fish do you have? You know, when we're staying to fight, Jesus shows us who he really is. We get breakthrough. We receive favor and dominion uh, from God. How many has been to places where you just wanted to shut down and God, Spirit of God nudges you and say, keep going. Keep being faithful. Keep giving. Keep doing what's right. Uh, and it's in that arena we begin to see the breakthrough we want. So the truth is, uh, to send them away, think about this, is to send them away from the fountain of living water. To send the crowd away is to send them away from the bread of life. It's to send them away from the very one that can give them the miracle. But many times we think in the flesh, uh, uh, Jesus said, listen, I'm the answer they need. Why would we send them away? But the disciples, you know, and, and you and I, when we get in difficult times, we don't think spiritual sometimes, right? We don't think like we should. We're just thinking the natural. And Jesus is trying to push them through this. If these disciples have caught the preaching, they've caught the miracles and healing, they're good at it. They're good at this, man. They, they've got their crusades down. Uh, they know how to set the equipment up. They know how to do the mic test. They know how to preach the gospel. But there's something they've missed here. There's something that they missed, and there's something that if we miss this, uh, we're going to miss the heart of God. If we miss this, we're going to miss the very heartbeat of God. But keeps God moving, uh, and what keeps uh, God pushing the church to go further and Jesus wants to make sure they catch it here. And that is compassion on the loss. Jesus said, you want to send them away, I want to feed them. You want to just cast them aside, I want to serve them. And many times when we, we're at our wits end, we're at the end of our own strength, the easiest thing, hey, let's just stay home from church today. Let's just get out of ministry. Let's just put our, and Jesus said, you need to keep moving. You know, so the most powerful ministry breakthrough is seen when we continue under difficult times. Verse 38, Jesus asks, how many loaves do you have? They have five loaves and two fish. They have no idea what God's going to do. And this is the exciting part about God. When we just continue to labor, continue to serve, continue to come uh, and do what's right, uh, we have them services where God says, how many loaves you got? How many fish you got? With no idea what God's going to do, these disciples are dumbfounded. Uh, no doubt they're looking at 5,000 men, women, and children beside. Their families like ours. Uh, it could have been 20, 25,000 people very easily there. Sitting on the hillside, hungry, and Jesus is going to talk about five loaves and two fish. That's a meal. I've seen some of you guys eat. I've seen, I know how I can eat. That's a meal for one. You may share it with your wife. That's definitely a meal for two at the max. One man said the gifts may be small, the talents may be few, but in his hands, they will be made sufficient to, to accomplish the purpose. See, God can take what we have and multiply it many times over. Verse 39, Jesus said to them, sit down in groups of 150. These disciples are getting nervous now. 
Jesus asked about the five loaves and two fish, their lunch. Uh, and now he's telling them all to set the whole crowd down in fifties and hundreds, uh, kind of get some order here so he can pass the baskets around. And know these decide, what's Jesus going to do here? What's he going to do next? How many been to service like that? I mean, you feel God moving uh, the pastor Chris Hart's revival. It was like I feel God moving the spirit stirring. Uh, it's like, what's God going to do next? There's the anticipation of these disciples. Uh, it's a nervous anticipation. Verse 41, Jesus looks up, blesses the food, uh, and then he gives them, it said, to his disciples set before them. Think about it. These disciples are nervous here, right? They each got a basket, 12 baskets here. Jesus breaking these little loaves up, put a little bit here in each basket, breaking the fish up, really small pieces. And they're going to go feed all these people. Come on. They're going to take 12 baskets and feed 25,000 people. Come on. They're going to go to each uh, group of 50 here, group of 100 here. Go ahead and eat. <laughs> go ahead and take some food here. They're probably looking in there. In the crowd probably thinking they're crazy. You're crazy. We, we know what's there. We know there's crumbs there, but uh, the Bible gives us simply as they're taking food out, food's appearing. As they're taking a little piece of food out, it turns into a fish. Uh, and, and you know how we are? We eat, man. We can, we can eat. And I'm sure the Bible said they ate and they were filled. Uh, they probably went back for seconds and thirds. But that's the miracle. Imagine these disciples. They've been through all this uh, stuff. John the Baptist has died. Uh, Jesus has pushed them to continue uh, to stay in there, keep, keep moving. Uh, they're wore out. They're tired. But... They see the greatest miracle they're ever going to see as these miracles just keep multiplying in front of them as people are taking out of the basket. Let's go look secondly here at the real problem. That's the hard heart. Verse 45. After all this, the multiplying of the fish and loaves, the feeding of the 5,000 and plus, Jesus immediately sent his disciples to the other side of the sea. I thought about this. Think about this. The Bible says Jesus sent the, the people to nearby towns after they've ate. It's a short journey. Jesus himself went on the mountain to pray, but his disciples go to the other side of the sea. Think about this. Uh, I mean, uh, they've already been through enough, right? But Jesus, I mean, uh, yeah, you folks go, go sit on the couch somewhere. You go, go in the village and eat and take a nap. But you guys, you disciples, I want you to go on the other side of the sea right now tonight. We know before they get to the other side, a severe storm breaks out. Isn't this a picture of life? You know, so sooner you get through one thing and something else happens. You're going to church, the tire blows out, you go home, the other one blows out. How many had days like that? And you're like, man, one thing after another. These disciples, no doubt, thinking that, man, we just, we need to get a break. Uh, Jesus pushes, we see the miracle, now, what is he up to now? Too many times we think, because I'm saved, born again, on my way to heaven, nothing bad is ever going to happen. Nothing bad is ever going to happen in my life because I'm saved. Right? That's how we think sometimes. And these disciples don't doubt thinking like that. Hey, we're out preaching, we're out ministering, we're doing these healing crusades, uh, uh, and we're shaking a little bit because of John, and, and, you know, we can think, hey, nothing bad is going to happen, but they're in a storm here. 
You know, one man said the Christian life is a fight all the way through, especially if you're in ministry. Now, let me put that, especially if you're in ministry, there's going to be some extra battles there. You ever see some folks, they just come to church, sit there in their seat, they just loving God, loving people, go home, everything's great. You get this other guy, he's laboring, serving, and man, he's going through it. Right? In our text here, these disciples have labored all day, and into night, it's late, they're tired, more than that, they're exhausted, and Jesus sends them to the other side of the sea. This is not just a roll across the pond here. This is a long journey. They're not just getting in a boat and rolling uh, across, you know, hey, the creek or the channel, but they're rolling across a sea here. Verse 48, and he saw them straining at oaring, for the wind was against them. It was the fourth watch of the night or about four o'clock in the morning. So they've been laboring all night at these oars. The wind uh, is, is against them. I mean, it'd be like, you know how the wind can get here. You're oaring, uh, you're fighting the oar, and the wind's just pushing you back, uh, and you're not going very far at all. This is a picture of them. They're fighting it. They're discouraged. They're upset. Uh, they're probably arguing among each other. Uh, Work the oar better. You work it better. Uh, and they're, they're exhausted. They're exhausted. They've been ministering all night. Uh, and Jesus pushed them to go further. Why would Jesus do that to these disciples? Why would he send his disciples across the sea of all they've been through? Because as wonderful as these disciples are, Bob said they're hard-hearted. Look at verse 52. For they did not understand about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Jesus had to break something in them. They're enjoying the ministry. They're enjoying everything about church. They're loving it. Uh, all that God's doing, but their hearts are hard. How I mean, you cannot serve God and be successful in the kingdom of God with a hard heart. Amen. Everything about God is compassion. God cares about people. Uh, God wants to see people blessed and move uh, uh, in the things of God, God wants to meet needs. That if we set church have a hard heart, uh, we're not going to be successful at all in the kingdom. It's impossible to serve God and be effective uh, with a hard heart. It's impossible to sit in church. Uh, somebody give testimony. You're like, yeah, right. I'll bet. They say, man, God gave me a job. God blessed me. God help. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. I know them. Come on. We've all been there. Or somebody gets a new car. You're driving that old junker. Yeah, bless the Lord. Bless him, Lord. Yeah. Your, your, your heart gets hard, right? That's how these are. Their, their hearts are hard. Listen, they've been in the ministry. They're preaching. They're getting miracles. Uh, they've served the loaves and fish. They mold. How can you have a hard heart after that? But I've seen people come to church for years uh, and see miracle after miracle. God's moved through their life. God's helped them. Uh, but they sit in church with a hard heart. They don't love people. There's no compassion shown from their life to people. Uh, they have a hard heart here. The Bible said the miracle is next to them in the boat, the 12 basketfuls. Remember they picked up 12 basketfuls. As they're in their storm, the miracle's right with them. As they're straining at these oars, they're probably grumbling and griping uh, about church that day. Uh, but the miracle is right there. This miracle spoke of God's faithfulness, God's power, God's ability. Uh, 
they didn't just pick up to have leftovers. Jesus had a plan for that. They each filled their basket, 12 baskets, uh, full of carrying this miracle with them uh, uh, in the boat on their journey to the other side. Uh, they're putting this miracle down maybe beside them, but when they get in their storm, they forget about the miracle because their hearts are hard. You know, hearts are hard. We quickly forget about God. We quickly forget about all that God's done in our marriage, our finances, our life. Uh, uh, we quickly forget because our hearts are hard. Jesus has to break this. Verse 48. So he came to them walking on the sea and one had passed them by. Think about that. Jesus would have passed them by because when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out in trouble. Their heart's so hard, they can't recognize who God is. How many sit in church sometimes? God's speaking to you. God's trying to help you, but your heart's so hard, you can't see it's God. Everybody else knows that, hey man, that sermon's for you. God spoke to me, and God went, God went down your alley. They, well, I didn't feel nothing. God didn't speak to me. You're mad because they said that. Am I in the right place? Come on. Stay out of my business. Well, God gets in our business, right? God gets in our business to help us. And the good news here is we know that they learned the lesson here. Their hearts got soft uh, because in verse 53, uh, when they got to the other side, it says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret uh, and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat immediately, the people recognized him, talking about Jesus, ran through the whole region surrounding regions, and began to carry all the beds that were people that were sick. Whosoever hurt uh, uh, was healed. Wherever he entered into village, cities, or country, uh, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged them that they might touch him, the hem of his garment. As many as touched him were made healed. Uh, the miracle is the disciples are there, and there's no complaining. There's no complaining uh, I mean, they've been through all this. That hard heart has been broke down uh, somewhere in that sea experience as they went across the sea as God, as Jesus went to the boat and maybe dealt with them, showed them, listen, these are the miracles. Listen, these 12 baskets, God dealt with them uh, because right when they get to the other side, uh, they're right back in ministry. They're right back doing what they did before. Uh, they're helping Jesus in these healing crusades. Uh, uh, and there's not one complaint among them. Oh, can we get to that place where there's not even one complaint out of us? Oh, pastor preached too long. Two services on Sunday. Can we get to where there's no complaint? That means no hard heart. If we can stop complaining, that's a good sign we have a good heart. Let me ask you, what's your heart like? you got a hard heart this morning. Let's be honest. God's moving. People are getting saved, delivered. Church is growing. But you're upset. And that hardness is costing you greatly. Is your heart hard this morning? Can the miracle be right there? You not even see it? These are questions we have to answer, right? You know what's so exciting about the book of Acts? It's refreshing. Think about this. There's 3,000 people get saved in chapter 2. Uh, another 5,000 get saved in chapter 5. Uh, and these 
and the church is exciting, it's thriving. Uh, this just kind of give you a picture of the church, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and prayer, or in fellowship, and a breaking of bread, and in prayer, fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods. You know they've got to have a good heart for that one. They're seeing everything God's doing. Uh, they're so grateful. The need comes up. They're selling the land and houses to meet that need. That's a grateful heart. You know when somebody's selling their boat, uh, somebody's selling their house uh, or land to help, you know that's a good heart. There's, there can be no hardness, no bitterness locked in their heart. This chapter is refreshing because it shows us a church with a good heart. So they church with a heart that's right with God. Uh, signs, wonders, and miracles there. There's a compassion uh, for each other there. Uh, uh, amen. And we can all accomplish that this morning. Look lastly at understanding God. I said before, God is very easy to understand if you understand one thing about God. You understand God loves people. Think about that. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. The Bible said to preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. God's concerned about people. Uh, he sends them out. They have this great success. They think it's, they think it's all about the success. Uh, but Jesus said you missed the whole point. Uh, it's all about people. In our text, they want some R&R. But Jesus said, I want to feed the crowd. I have compassion on the people there because they're like sheep with no shepherd. They have no direction. Uh, it's a picture of sheep just running everywhere. don't have no shepherd. They say, stay there, stay here. Uh, that's maybe why Jesus uh, put them in uh, 50s and 100s uh, because they're just, and there's a shepherd here now. Jesus loves people. And if we understand that about God, we understand everything else. Uh, God loves people. Verse 41, Jesus goes way beyond teaching, uh, but meets a great need here. So part of the love of God is meeting needs. Aren't you grateful that God helps us in our areas of need? Think about that. They've been with Jesus for some days. They're hungry. They're thirsty. And Jesus said, I'm not going to send them away with this big need. I'm going to multiply these loaves and fish. Thank God that he meets our needs. Many times through the years, I've had medical needs. I've had God to, God, you have to come in and heal me medically. I've had financial needs. I've had marriage needs. I've had children needs. Uh, I've cried out to God. God has moved. And through his compassion, love for people, God met me. That place of need. God loves to meet the needs of people. See, if we miss this, this is where our heart is hard. We miss the heart of God, but if we understand this about God, we understand God. You know, we can become preachers, talented musicians, uh, but if we have no compassion on the loss, we miss, we miss the heart of God. I know some great preachers, some great musicians, uh, by question their heart. Listen, the heart of God is to love people. The heart of God is to serve people. To meet a need. Uh, if that's not there, you're going to not understand who God is. I believe these disciples were forever changed after this experience. You follow their ministry after this. Uh, uh, amen. It's like there's no more complaint. There's no more 
I just need some R&R's my time. Uh, it's like they're there to serve. They're there to help people. They're there to lay down their life because now they understand the heart of God. Jesus, how can you be laboring like this all day and still have compassion on people? Send them away. But when we understand the heart of God, we understand everything else, right? I want to challenge you. Begin to get the heart of God. Love people. Love to serve. Love to meet a need. And I'll tell you what, your heart will change. Your heart will change. Let's bow our heads this morning.